This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Twin sisters and best friends, Sarah and Boo Sims, are the culinary and creative duo behind LA-based Lady & Larder, and they're responsible for starting a global grazing board movement. With a long list of devoted customers and fans, they're a beloved and local go-to for delicious and stylish entertaining. I wish New York City had a Lady & Larder myself. Quite simply, they positively own the term edible displays. Their meticulously sourced meats, cheeses, fruits, and vegetables, along with other delicious details, are curated and arranged to create special one-of-a-kind platters and boards that are a thing of beauty. With modern branding, approachable style, and American sensibility, sense of place is important to the duo and a large source of their inspiration. They believe in supporting a 100% domestic and sustainable food culture. The business has grown. They now serve lunch and have a full bodega that includes produce, flowers, items for the home, and more, along with a cheese counter. Two of four siblings, the women have major roots in the California hospitality industry. Cooking and mealtime and the many rituals around each were sacred in their household. And on this podcast, we get into a lot of those details. We discuss how they complement one another's creativity, the high regard they hold for their makers and producers, and the relationship they have with them and with seasonality. We discuss each of their careers before Lady and Larder, how they eat at home, how and why they were quick to pivot their business during the pandemic, their use of items like flowers, traveling and farmer's markets, a really great long list of some of their favorite things from kitchenware to fashion, and so much more. Here's Lady and Larder. I'm here with Sarah and Boo, twin sisters and BFFs behind Lady and Larder, just for the purpose of this conversation, because this is a three-person podcast. Sarah, can you describe what Lady and Larder is? We, we call it our little dream shop because that's exactly what it is. It was born about four and a half years ago um, after almost a decade of private chefing and making these kind of boards for parties and clients. We, um, we always wanted to be in business together. I think Boo, that was like a dream long-term and Boo is just like an amazing artist and creative. And we came together and created this business in the beginning. Our little brother was um, um, involved as well. And we, she did all of the branding and, and that, and I kind of came from the culinary side and in the simplest terms, we're, we're a cheese shop. We're a small brick and mortar cheese shop in Los Angeles. But what we started as was just a cheese board delivery business in the beginning. And we created a website where you could buy cheese boards for events or parties or even just small dinners at home. And we delivered them all over LA. And that's what we started at first. And then 
we opened the brick and mortar later. And now we do both of those things in addition to shipping nationwide. And we also have um, a year round partnership with Williams Sonoma, where we also do like DIY kits for making cheese boards at home. And we kind of the entire thing runs under like the ethos of supporting American cheese where we have zero imported products. So all of our cheesemakers and everything that we support in the retail section are from American makers. Yes. And we're going to actually talk all about your branding, which is amazing later on on the podcast. And uh, we're also going to talk about your Williams-Sonoma partnership, which is really exciting. Uh, but why cheese? Why cheese? Why focus on these particular items? I mean, people love cheese. We love cheese. People love cheese. Um, cheese is always, we've come from like a very um, like col- culinary based household where like food is just generally important. Like when, we, <laughs> when we, like when we grew up, like our parents would have friends over and there was always cheese. They, my mom would always put something out like nuts and cheese or like they were always like, we were always taught from a very young age. Like, you know, when people get here, offer them something to drink, take their coat. Like Sarah and I kind of like would help host to like when my parents would have people over for dinner or whatever. Our parents are like the best entertainers. Yeah, got it. I like have so many questions about (laughs) you growing up around all of this and how it informed your own sensibility. Um, And that's that's interesting. Um, But the other thing I wanted to talk about too is like, are boards a really big ask when it comes to private clients? Is that like something that comes up or came up for you all the time that people wanted these gorgeous boards for parties? Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Like every, every single, I, I was a private chef for one specific client, but that I was usually 6am to about two or three. And then most of my evenings were for like one-off events or parties or pop-ups and they all had some sort of board or cheese board to start. Almost every party did. And I think when Sarah started posting a picture, I remember you posted like a picture on Instagram like years ago and it was like so many people reached out and were like, can I, can I like order one from you? Like, is there a way if you, can you make one? Do you sell these? Do you sell like how, like did so many people that just like wanted to entertain that way. And I think it was, it was something that, you know, I think always people have eaten and entertained with like snacks and bites and things, but cheese boards were just becoming this like there was never a place to share them visually either. I never had yeah. a portfolio before right. Instagram. We had like a we had our website which we'd have right. some professional photos on, but there was never like a day to day like I would just shoot in the kitchen as stuff was happening, and there suddenly yeah. you had this like very up to date portfolio that people would reference and ask about. Well, and what was hard is like up in, until I mean when we sat down, we're talking about it. We're like think about it like you go to any grocery store in this area, you have to go to get what, what we're putting on these boards. A, you'd have to go to multiple cheese stores. You'd have to drive all over. And like the sourcing part is difficult because there really isn't one place you can go. That had everything we wanted. Right. And if and you wanted to nobody be was really doing it. And if you want it to be beautiful, like it's so true. It's like, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're people, you know, if you're a foodie and you enjoy aesthetics, it's true. It's, it's the cheese board that's supposed to be simple becomes complicated because you find yourself having to like go find herbs and go find you know all of your cheeses and all of your meats you're it's so true it's like where's you know you you filled that um you filled that need for these well and it it was one of those things where Sarah had already you know being a private chef she was at farmer's market multiple times per week she had already established these relationships and we'd both grown up around food and restaurants and hospitality so for us like we knew kind of where to find these things and had it was a very comfortable space so like if that right. part wasn't scary at all it was like the right. sourcing that was exciting the fun part. yeah right. yeah and then we had this kind of 
um, this family trip that we had taken to the coast of Italy around the time that we were generating the idea for the shop. And we had started up, we had landed at the airport in Nice in France and went straight to a farmer's market before we started our road trip. This is so funny. Trip. I have to, I have to interrupt you because literally like one of my questions is, do you hit the local farm stands when you're traveling? So, oh yes, a hundred percent of the, the time I pre-research and we go to all of them. We literally got off the plane, went to the farmer's market in Nice for and lunch. had for yeah. lunch and had the most visceral reaction to this like cheese that was at a stall. And you could see the Island off the coast where the cows were that were being milked for the cheese and the sense of place was so moving in the product. And that was kind of the first moment. And then the whole trip is that way. And if you've like had the incredible opportunity to travel or go to Italy, you know that anywhere. every town you go in, especially there, everything you eat in that town is from a, made in a 10 mile radius of the town. The wine you're drinking is from that, you know, that area. The it's cheese, so beautiful. The it's so and, and the sense of place is like such a powerful part of the food there. And we just felt like, why don't we have that feeling at home? In LA. Yeah. We don't have that feeling. Like, why, why can't right. we create something that has a really strong sense of place? Right, right, right. Yes, that makes, yes. So we, we talked about this. You grew up in the restaurant industry. Um, you, well, your, your family. Will, yeah. Can each one of you describe a memory related to food growing up? Like Boo and Sarah, each one First of you. All, all, it's really weird. All this is Boo, but all of Sarah's is all of Sarah's childhood memories have food associations. It's really weird. Every it's single like, one. She remembers so much more. Like she associates things we did with what we ate when we were there. That's and what so I was thinking when I was thinking about you guys. I'm like, they must have all these like really vivid, cool food memories. It's just they're like, not even all that cool. I like laugh all the time. I'm like, I can tell you the flavor of lollipop I ate when my brother got stitches in his foot when he was four in the waiting room. Yeah, like I, my food memories are super vivid, and they're all everything is time stamped in flavor notes. Everything. This is like in your. This is in your blood. It's like it's been passed <laughs> down. Really I'm not crazy. as good as good with that. I always be like, remember this. Yeah. Remember that specific like ratio of you know. I I. I can like the smells and the, the flavor stamps are so vivid for me. It's like, give, give us some, give, what are some more memories? I remember flavors or what was the flavor? What would you say was the flavor, flavor one and flavor two, primary flavor one and flavor two or, 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 or flavor profile one and two of your household growing up? Our mom, it was really fun. We grew up in an, a household where my mom was an amazing, like she was the weeknight home cook and she did right. a lot of like beautiful chicken recipes. She has an incredible green thumb and garden. So a lot of, she like grows all of her own lettuces and herbs at home. And both our parents are like, we're basically just trying to be as cool as them all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, they like make their own limoncello and they have a vineyard where they make wine and they have chickens and they have um, just like they've created such a beautiful um, like home and like set up for themselves. Uh, like and a, they really, they really celebrate all of the beautiful I, things. I think yeah. Like a, really it's like a culinary based lifestyle, right? Well, yeah. like growing up, it was really weird because we all cooked dinner together. Like as soon as we could reach the counter, we all had stations. So like one of us would be on salad duty. One of us would be there. And we thought that was like the normal thing. So then Sarah and I would go to like a friend's house and we would, we would walk in the kitchen and be like, how can we help? You know, like at dinner time. And the mom would be like, go sit down and watch, you know, like <laughs> yeah, watch I'll TV. Call you when it's ready. Yeah. Like, no, we realized like, oh, like not everybody like does, does this. It together and like that was such a big part of our like family time so I think the memories really for me like come around like just like the hour or two we'd spend preparing dinner and that's kind of like when you caught up on like highs and lows like 
how your day was like big stuff that was coming up like that was just our family time that was non-negotiable yeah our dad always called it his like motto for our entire childhood and growing up and still he always says like every day you get up and you figure out how to make a contribution and I think we think about that with our business now but as kids it was very much like everyone had tasks and duties every day and a lot of it did contribute to meals um and those are like probably some of the fondest memories we have looking back now for sure are there are there three of you or are there more than three of you there's four of us actually there's four of you okay mm-hmm. i didn't realize yeah, we, that we have an we're old, the middle we have an older sister Ooh. and a younger brother so what does your older sister do she's amazing she's, she's like <laughs> she's an incredible mother she has four girls and she also has a um, business called weller tribe and she does like apothecary based, like healing things, mostly like essential oil based, like really, really clean things for your home. So from like Gorgeous. house cleaners to, you know, aromatherapy spray for your pillowcase, um, all very like clean, beautiful based products. We love that. Yeah. So you, you, you said, I mean, I've read that you've said like you were raised under the notion that the dinner table was a sacred place, which is what you just described. Can you describe a typical dinner, like the food, what the table looked, what the table looked like and who was involved? So you basically said that everybody was involved. Everyone had a role in preparing meals. Especially like Sunday night dinner was like, I remember even we got older and we're like, I want to go to a friend's house or I want to go to a game. My parents like, no, like you're home for Sunday night dinner. Like this is like family time when we're all together and this is not. And the weekends where we, where we tried stuff. So my mom was this amazing like home cook who made very rustic, beautiful stuff. And she had kind of her rotation. I think that most moms develop when you're raising a household of kids. And then on the weekends, my dad, they have a massive cookbook collection and they're like huge enthusiasts for cookbooks and cooking magazines. And he would rip pages out during the week and then we'd save them for the weekend. We decide <laughs> what we were going to cook. And my mom always loved to pick countries and cook that way. But my dad would That's pull funny. out of magazines and then we'd make the things and then we'd go around the table judging at the end, like, is it a keeper? Yeah. How could we tweak it? How could it be but better? Dinner was normally like, Someone would make the salad. Someone, there's always like a bread or something yummy that we, you know, depending. And mom, she did a lot of like chickens and like. What was braised. in her rotation? You mentioned that she had a rotation. What oh was it? There's a lot of braised chicken. Like 12 different chicken dishes. Whole chicken, braised chicken. There was a pork chop. Remember that pork chop? Was so pork good. chop. Yeah. And then our dad was like very much into grilling. He has a Santa Maria grill and our gas grill and would always like the weekends were mom more like exploratory. Mom did a chili and like a, 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 she does great spaghetti sauce. Like a lot of the basics that like, I, don't know, I just felt really lucky that we grew up. My mom would, you know, she'd spend hours like making spaghetti sauce before dinner, right. which is so cool. And it's we'd sit down very- and like my dad would pull, we usually have a newspaper and he'd save like, there was like a, a history Q and A in our, and what paper was it? Was it what's our local paper? There was like a history Q and A they would put out on the weekends. And so like, he would usually save that and then like, bring some questions to the table and like ask, you know, just like, and they're always geography, based. always like We're geography like, based. Oh. Like that sounds really then, magical and a lot of fun. And so wait a second. And so a lot of geography things, which is sort of why um, sense of place is really important, maybe in the food that you are focused on. I think also if you, if people slow down and really think about what they're eating and have the opportunity to think about the sense of place. And I think the farmer's market has really made that a key part of my life and our business is that you, when you meet the people that are growing your food and you start to see like how the food gets to our table. Um, I think growing up a lot of kids 
maybe see a grocery store, but not many kids grow up going weekly to the farmer's market. And when right. you start to see the system on a, on a larger level, especially localized and seasonal and like seasonality, it's all very like special and moving and, um, it feels like the right way to eat. <laughs> yeah. And I think we have, it's, it's, were, there were gardeners too. So we, we understood like what it took to grow a head of lettuce. Yeah. It's ceremony. Different. It's ritual. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's very ritual. Well, and then there's these windows, like, you know, when you're just something as basic as, you know, tomatoes, like you only have them for this certain window when they're really in this prime. And then as soon as I remember, that when, the season's plant, over. remember when the season be over, we'd have to pull everything and then we'd like roast them or mom would sun dry them and yeah. freeze them so we could use them the rest of the year. And it was like, we really understood that like things aren't just available all year in their prime. Yes. Yes. Um, what were some of the things that you learned about the restaurant industry and the business of food that you've infused into the building of your brand? I think our, our, our grandfather kind of started it all. He ran the commissary at MGM Studios after World War II and then started a chain of coffee shops here in LA. He was one of the first people to ever serve coffee in a mug like without a saucer. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. He ran a coffee shop called Ben Frank's here in oh, LA yeah. and then our uncles and our dads um, have all been in the restaurant. We're like a big restaurant business family. But um, I think the ethos that they kind of like have always guided them in building restaurants is that like we're here to serve. Like we're in the hospitality business. So that we learned that like the customer is always right. And you need to kind of listen to what they want and then build your business around what customers are looking for. Um, and it's, it's, that's a very opposite mindset than like your standard chef. A lot of chefs come in ego-based, like I know what I'm going to make and right. this is what it, this, you come to me and I'm, there's no substitutions. And right. This is my vision. This is my, like know. literally our family landmark restaurant on the menu. It's like, it literally says, this is only a guide. Please feel free to be creative. Like, wow, we, it does. Grew, that's amazing. Yes. That was, that's like my father. Like, that's my father's dream. Like my yeah, father is one of these He's one of these people that goes to the restaurant and like has to customize the order. A modifier. Like, yeah, and our dad just like, our dad was just always like, we're here for the people. We aren't here without the customers. So like if someone walked into the restaurant at, on the weekends, he would take us to work and plop us down on the counter. And if someone said, I love your bread, he'd walk in the back and grab them a loaf and bring it to the table and say, take this one home. Like he grew up like really, really living and breathing hospitality. And so that is kind of, the things that we carry forward huge in our business. And, and that I think has probably been one of the biggest things that's helped us pivot with COVID is just like the flexibility of being able to stop, not think about what we want to be doing, but think about what the customers need right now and then right. figure out how to serve them in that way. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you about that because you guys really did pivot and had to be creative and you did it beautifully. Um, yeah. And it, I think the other thing that we learned was just that like, this doesn't work or exist without that customer. So when a customer yeah. can choose a hundred places to go buy dinner, like what's going to bring them back and have them, wh why, 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 why do they come to you? Like, what are you doing or offering or why, why, you know, why should they spend their hard earned money at, at your restaurant or at your business? And so that's something we've always really considered and, and thought that, that that's, and there's, there's good food at a lot of places, but we know that it ultimately comes down to the humans and the service that we provide. And that's why you have a lot of repeat customers and and fans, quite frankly, you know? Because yeah, it's 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 consistency in your product and um, delivering on the service side with like real genuine, like human service. Yeah, no, really. <laughs> Which as like, we, as like the world turns into these like cloud kitchens, there's just less and less of. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm curious as to what each of your kitchens look like at home. What? <laughs> 
what are the key elements of, of kitchen? Like what, what is, what is well, your we, I should be transparent first that Sarah is the chef. Her kitchen is, her kitchen looks like, I mean, you have like a real, I, I live in a rental, but I, <laughs> I literally picked this house because it had a commercial uh, range, oven range yeah. in it. Yeah. I would have um, done the same thing. I, I, yeah. I was like, house. Oh, this is it. I don't care what the rest Sarah, of the house looks Sarah like. Sarah always has, uh, I'll explain your kitchen. It's probably easier if I tell people what your kitchen looks like. There's sure. always something on the stove. Like there is like, multiple pots of things like simmering and cooking. And she's always either working on a stock or a base and like, I'm, I'm most amazed at her ability to like get home and still cook a dinner for her family after working all day. It's, it's pretty amazing. And because it, it um, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the thing it, it, it can, there are those days when you're, you know, I cook here and there and there are those days when you're like, well, I cook a lot actually, like I shouldn't say here and there, but like, there are the days when you're so exhausted, it's really hard to do it. But again, it's like, it, I've, I feel like I've talked about this with a lot of people. It, it's some people think it's a daunting task. Others like us are like I this I'm it's allowed your sanity. I decompress, also there's nothing I decompress that brings this me, way. Yeah, there's nothing that brings me more joy ultimately or than comfort. cooking for the people that I love. Like nourishing the people that I care about. That's it. That's it for me. What does the <laughs> kitchen it. look like besides this commercial? Uh, the corner, the house that I live in was built in the early '60s, so it has an original like little leather bright yellow leather like banquette corner that looks like an old like soda pop shop kind of yeah, and it it's like a very very simple basic 60s but it's nice kitchen you can sit in a booth in the kitchen so like whenever she's cooking I like love that. we'll climb in and like we can sit and there's and like there's lots of cheese boards and cutting boards lots of nice you have lots of good <laughs> I knives. love a booth in the kitchen I one of my childhood homes my my our second childhood home it was like it had like a skylight and like in the skylighty area was this like booth it's well, so built in yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, those are like the magic happens right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. And you think about it, like, I know what, especially when we grew up, like the kitchen was always the heart of the house. And if you think about like, I know in our house, any major thing, if you ever got into trouble or if you were, it was good grades or whatever it was, like for some reason, those meetings always happened in our kitchen. Always, like everyone met, like that's where like big conversations happen. That's, it was just the heart of the house. It's like, it was like that center point. And so yeah. to have a little place you can sit. I like it because when I come over, I can sit while you're cooking. I can like, sit and have a drink. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. And it's actually the, my, my, the apartment that I'm in now that I've been in for quite a while at this point, it's one of these, like, you know, it's a loft that has an open kitchen, you know, dining room area. And, and really like the reason why I landed on this place was because of that room, right? The open kitchen. There is the little drawback of like, when you have that open kitchen is like all your mess is everywhere in front of everyone. <laughs> like, you can't be pristine about it. But what about you, boo? Like, what is, do you cook? My kitchen has a lot of plants. Like I have hanging black plants. I feel, cause there's a lot of light in it. So I've kind of made it this little like greenhouse. My whole house is like a greenhouse, but that sounds pretty. I, yeah, I, I like I like a lot of plants inside. Um, there's, it's it's definitely not. I don't cook as much as but Sarah Blue, does, but whose boyfriend is an amazing. Cook yeah, I'm really lucky. All the time. Okay, here so. we go. Now we get the now we get the we get the story here. Yes, yeah. there is a man that cooks there's for me. There's a man that cooks her. And I never. Meals a day. I wish I had known younger. Like date a chef. Because I mean, that's having always somebody cook for you is literally like love it's the best thing on the planet. Like I never have to worry about it. No, I, I, I agree. I've been looking, I've been looking for my chef boyfriend for years. Oh God, it's, um, it's really amazing. And I make it look like when I make something, I'm 
you know, I have no like training really. So I just use way too many pots and pans. It's a, it's a mess. And I feel like when he cooks, he just, he, he makes it look like it's so easy and there's like minimal mess cleans as he goes. I'm like, this is like just fun so to watch. He's, like, he's a chef at a restaurant or he's a, he's a, he's a chef. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's like a, he's a regional culinary director. So he kind of oversees oh, cool. like a group of restaurants and like he's been in the industry a long time and he um, kind of coaches and mentors a bunch of different chefs. That's um, a cool job. Sarah, this, yeah. question, this question, I guess, is for you. So how do you feed people in your and your family and your personal life? What does that look like? You know, you grew up in this, you know, family of traditions all centered around mealtime. What does mealtime look like in your household? Well, Maverick was strapped on like Maverick has been cooking with you since he was a baby. <laughs> True. It's it, was that a question for me? Yeah. Was that for me? yeah. Um, I said, well, you know, sort of sort of you gr you grew up with all these rituals around mealtime. What does mealtime look like? And I'm curious. Oh, it's you know, wanna, oh, every night. It's very time. specific. What so is like, the what did the table look like in your parent in your family home? Like what it's did, actually what very similar to the table that I have yeah. now, which is like just a very big, like wooden, like 10 foot long farm table. Candles. And the middle always has like several taper taper candles at like different lengths. I like candles every night at dinner and dim the lights. And we always have like like every all appliances off except for music. music. We always have music and candles. I knew it. Um, it's I very like it. mood based. It. It's very and I have a four year old who like of course tries to bring his like iPad to the dinner table and I'm, I'm super firm on this. I'm like you are not allowed to be Ever. on an on an app on a game during dinner. I'm like if you want to do that you can excuse yourself from the table. But I literally say to him like this is a sacred place and if you want to join us here everyone is here to spend time with each other. Like we don't have phones. We don't. Do and that does anymore. he get it? He gets it. Yeah. And I think the older he gets, he's like, Oh, this is really cool. And he, he loves, he's an incredible eater. Um, and he like loves to cook too. Like if I'm in the kitchen, he will grab the stool, throw it up in front of a very hot stove with lots of things happening and just say like, how can I help? He's very has, I literally booze, right. I took him to the market when we were building the business you know, five days old, I was making cheese boards with him strapped to me. His first word was cheese. He's yeah. very much a culinary That's kid. the thing. I mean, he, I mean, children absorb all that, right? Like, he, oh yeah. 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 I knew yeah, you were, I, I, I was like, I bet, I bet you're going to say that you play music at mealtime and you did. So that's really fun. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, it is, a, it's the only time when we I all just, the whole household is disconnected and we're like present and there and it's important. I think that's a, that's actually a really good tip is like, I think for a lot of people who just need to like switch gears in their life, like at the end, you know, a lot of us have problems at the end of the day, like kind of shutting things down and it's shutting so things hard. off and yeah. and yeah. And maybe actually like putting music on and creating a meal. Yeah. Phones away. Yeah. And it's fun yeah. to do. Like we've been, we kind of go around with different playlists. We're really into this one Cuban playlist that we have right now, but we play with like different yeah, it's genres. great. I want, I want genres, to, can we public? Can we publish your Cuban playlist? And yes, that we, so we have our Spotify channel, and we'll we'll publish your your mealtime. Yeah, I, I have a good dinner table Spotify. Yeah, list. Boo, like Boo will give you our yeah. Boo will give you our good our good mix. Oh, yes. I love it! I can't wait. Um, so guys, I believe that your eye and your edit is Lady and Larder's superpower. Can you describe? I mean, you've talked a little bit about it already, but describe your philosophy for picking and procuring. In the simplest answer, yeah, we literally look for the very best stuff. Um, and that sounds simple, but it really isn't. Um, especially when you're working like in seasonality and things are changing all the time from like a produce perspective. But we know all the farmers very well now, and there's just a constant 
tasting, trying, seeing who's growing what, um, searching for the best stuff that we can and supporting as many makers as we can. We try not to get too exclusive to one person because we want to spread it around and keep as many people going um, this year, especially. But when it comes to the quality of the products, we literally look for the best stuff we can get our hands on. And we talk about it all the time. Like if it's fantastic, we want to, we want to support it. Um, and if it's a maker that we love and it's not the best thing we've ever had, we are really, we give really like supportive, honest feedback so that people, but a lot um, of people do just drop off stuff. And they drop off stuff all the time. Like, what do you think? But we're also like, oh, very that's in so great. Our, that's we're great. very in touch with our cheesemakers. Like they, we get stuff delivered. And if I find a wheel has like something interesting or a different finish than normal, I'm, I'm like taking pictures, emailing the cheesemaker directly. Like, have you seen this? Because think about it. These people are building a product that they don't crack open the wheels. They just send them out. They check a couple and then they hope it goes well. And unless right. you provide feedback, makers aren't able to tweak or make adjustments from their end. So it's a very like collaborative process that you have to be very much like involved in and very hands-on for it to, to for it because it's constantly changing. Describe your aesthetic. What would you each, what would each of you say? Your aesthetic. Are polar opposite. Well, well the, Sarah and I are, Sarah and I are that because I actually have a lot of questions about how you play off an, uh, one another's style, but for the brand, for Lady and Larder, what, what is the aesthetic? Our general aesthetic is to show all of the products that we have off in like their very best light. And that comes down to like a simplicity that doesn't always look simple on our boards, but it really is like everything is extremely, we use the word intentional a lot at the space and at the shop and in our kitchens. And we want all the decisions to how things are paired or placed or cut the temperatures they're served at. Everything is intentional and there's thought behind everything. So and it's, there's constant tweaking. We'll look at the, we'll look at a product. We'll look at how we set it up. We'll taste it. We'll talk about it. And then we're like, can this be better? Is there a better way to do it? Um, I feel like our aesthetic is a lot aligned with like the colors in the produce. It's very, feeling. it's like seasonal based. It's, it's like yeah. a very seasonal thing. Yeah. So in the winter yeah. and the darker months, like everything kind of changes to match the feeling of like those ingredients. But it's also, I think, you know, being in California, there's this like West coast, like California brightness that's in all of it. And we're so lucky. I mean, we have the products that we're getting to use, which influence, I think a lot of that, obviously, because we're, we're painting, like uh, we're painting with the product. So yeah. it really influences yeah. like, how things look and feel. And um, we're so lucky like, to have very wonderful, like California produce, pro produce vibe. It's, and it's, it's, it's true. It's it, I was, you know, look at, you know, I think from your Instagram account, like you can really feel, you can feel that like you can, it's almost palpable. I have to say what you just described from your, from your, these, let's like this, fr these fresh California ingredients, like it, you can, you can sense it. You can sense it all over, all over your social media. How do you think you guys get the best ideas for Lady and Larder? I'm super inspired at the farmer's market. I feel like that's where the real pulse of the seasons comes from. And even within a one week period, you know, three days after I shop and I'm back again, things are changing. They're constantly changing and evolving. And I think we draw huge inspiration from the seasons and the farmers and the, the people that create products for the shop and the makers. Um, and I'm hugely inspired by like the culinary, uh, you know, other culinary people in our community here as well. I'm like, I'm so always like, Los Angeles is an incredible melting pot of- It's an incredible uh, food, food town. It really it's is. It's an incredible food so town. There's food. so many fun things happening and watching the way that people have pivoted and figured out um, 
different ways to like make their business float during this time has been really inspiring. We're finding a lot of inspiration in um, just seeing what everyone else is doing and how everyone is figuring out ways to stay afloat. Speaking of which, did you happen to see Suzanne Goen's recent post? Was it the video clip one? Yes. Yes. That was really. It was powerful. Yeah, it was really powerful. Intense, I said, but. Yeah, it's a really, really scary time to be a restaurant owner. We were just talking about that before we called you today. How just rough it is seeing everyone, places you love, just shutting Because people that made it through the first stay at home, which we're in another one here in LA, um, there was the PPP money last time that a lot of people were able to figure out a way to get through. And we're seeing with the second stay at home order that there's just straight closures. And we don't know. It's going to be. Just don't know who's coming. We don't know who's going to come out of it. it. It's. I was just thinking about this the other day. So there, a restaurant actually opened around the corner from where we li- I live and work, where we work, the office. And we're, we're in Soho, Chinatown in New York City. And right around the corner, amidst, I forgot exactly when they opened, but this restaurant, there was a restaurant that closed, another place t- took their spot. Um, it's a p- sort of a Pan-Asian restaurant. And they open kind of during warmer COVID here in New York. Mm-hmm. And they built this beautiful outdoor setup, like plants, like real big expansive booths. Like it was, I was so impressed by what they created. And just the other day I walk around the corner and they're now, they're like going next level. Like they're, because it's cold now, right? So like now they're right. building- like a thatched kind of like wooden that now they're building almost like this, this outdoor setup that it's it just, it's unbelievable. It's like the willpower that people have and like, yeah. but it's also like, what is the health department thinking? Of course it's going to snow. And then you're going to have to make your indoor feel your outdoor feel like indoor. And then it's basically indoor when you're already struggling so like, to like, and all these people have put up all this money to build so these outdoor money. seating. Yeah, and so then like in LA, we just got them all shut down this week. People spent yeah, well, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to reopen and get outdoor seating. And then they just took it I all think away. What people don't realize is the margins in this industry are not very big. And when you have a lot of people that are forced to use like third-party delivery, you know, they take a 20% cut. There's of, nothing left. You're not making it. It's any all whittled down. It's yeah. all down to nothing. And so, we, you know, that's why we tried telling everyone we talked to, like, if you can, like, call your orders in, go pick it up, like, make sure your favorite places are getting that sale because it is um, every penny. The counts. way restaurants work is a fresh food pot product and it is a lot of labor and there's just not a lot. You don't make a lot of money. I mean, that's something. People don't realize our dad industry. literally begged us not to do, be in don't this be industry. In this. He was like, I don't want you to have, I was going to hard. say, please I, don't do it's it. Really tough. He tried to get us to do anything else. He was like, this is so much work. You don't want to be here. I wondered um, about that. I wondered about that. And that's interesting. But ultimately it's in our blood. Like I always knew this was, this that's was where, it. That's where your joy, yeah. where our joy is. I think just yeah. it, you can't, it's, it, it, it's your passion. It's hard, you know? Yeah. For a lot, you know, for a lot of us, we want to follow our passion. Sarah, can you tell us what you were doing before launching Lady and Larder? I was a full-time private chef uh, for about 10 years before Lady and Larder launched. And I still do a little bit of work here and there. I was actually, I stayed full-time private chefing and building the business for the first three years. You did. So so I worked basically 6 a.m. till 2 a.m. every day and then slept four hours and started over. Um... It was a little bit insane, but it was a lot of insane, insane. Uh, but it 
it allowed us to self-fund. We didn't take on any outside money to build this business um, so or investors or anything. It was literally built um, on a credit card. <laughs> uh, and so if anyone's wondering if it's possible to build a business without taking on funding and starting in debt, it is. But um, I talked to, you know, I'm, uh, my friend Rebecca Minkoff talked to me about that years ago when I was starting my own business. And she really, you know, she talked to me a lot about having investors versus not having investors and what that means and can mean and can't mean. So I get it. Yeah. Our dad was just like, if you don't have to owe anyone money, why would you? Right. Um, and that was like a very simple way of putting it, but the decisions you're making and with a lot, you have all the control, but you know, it's, it's It's definitely, you have to commit to like a different level of, I mean, who and I, who and I were like, oh, we're just going to keep working full time on our other jobs while we're building this business, because that's, that's the only way this is going to fund itself. That's how we afford to do it. Everything that we made. And and luckily lady and larder was turning a profit after six months, but all of that money went straight back into the business and hiring staff and figuring out how to continue to grow the business. That's still what we do. It's literally what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. Boo. T- talk to us about like, what you were doing before joining your sister and Lady and Larder. Um, I have also been in the restaurant industry, but more on the marketing side. So I have um, been creative director for 11 years um, on a marketing team with a larger like corporate like restaurant group um, that has grown based here in California. And it's been really, it's been really wonderful because um I know it's funny. I, you, I was an art major, like an, a multimedia art major. And you yeah. think like, I'm going to get away from the family business, but then somehow like you end up coming back into hospitality and restaurants, but I'm just using that skill set in this space, which it's, is kind of just funny and, and awesome, but it's really um, cool. It, how, that, how, did, how actually did that happen? Like you said, you, you went on, you're like, I'm, I'm going to study art. I'm going to be an artist. How did it? Well, I think like my first jobs out of college were like back in restaurants. Like I remember I worked for W hotels and I was working for like kind of, yeah, I was working for boutique hotels and in that space. And then you end up like bartending or taking on all these random kind of jobs because a lot of those in the beginning, like I was doing unpaid, you know, internships at like, you know, know, MoMA and stuff. It's like no one pays you to do any of this stuff you want to do. And so you have to like work those late shifts and and do all of it. Most of it was restaurant industry because that's what I'd grown up doing. Um, And so eventually I ended up um, kind of just like working my way up and I was an executive assistant for a restaurant owner in San Diego and really learned a lot about filing paperwork and opening a restaurant and how that worked and then you kind of like hit the roof somewhere and then I was offered this opportunity to be the marketing director um, for a restaurant group that was growing in Southern California and I remember I drove up and job interviewed and they offered me the job on the way back and I just kind of took it and like <laughs> moved up to LA back, you know, and, and it kind of, I've been there, I've been with them kind of since then and learned, um, learned so, so much. Um, but it, it's, it's all been wonderful. Cause it's kind of one of those things where I feel like every single step along the way has, has made it really easy now to kind yeah, of do what I, we're doing. Well, I was going to say, I think it's such a prop, like prizes, but it's such a gift that, you know, part, you know, uh, you're an expert in brand branding and lady and larder doesn't have to outsource, you know, a lot of the times people outsource their brand. Right. Right. And, and, and there's somebody who like understands the DNA of the brand and lives, eats, sleeps and breathes it. And also is, you know, a branding expert. Cause I, I think your branding a is so great. Can you talk? Oh, more thank about you. It? it is. It really is. Can you talk? And it, you know, it, 
like I said, it, it's, it's, it's great. Well, so and I think that's the thing that so many people get nervous about in the beginning. And I'll tell you, like when Sarah and I had this idea, we literally built this Squarespace website. We needed a logo really fast. We need to file paperwork in order to be able to like start this business and even like test it. And so you need a logo, you need a, a, a name. And so like brainstormed the name, wrote a bunch of stuff like <laughs> on paper, spent a couple of weeks working on that. Finally, we agreed on Lady and Larder. And then I drew something like on paper, did a very, very quick, like now looking back at that first logo, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like just threw something together that we could like get up online. Um, Cause again, like we're both working full time outside of that. So like you're at night before bed trying. Yeah, to, you're like, like, let me try to muster. Try to like figure this but, out. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we got it up and I, I think what I always tell people when they ask, like, how do you figure it out? How do you decide it's so hard? I'm like branding is fluid. Like it, it should Our always. Logos evolved how many times? But it's not even that. It's like, I feel like you start, start with something that feels good to you and feels right. And um, don't be afraid to like evolve that as you continue to grow and figure out who you are, especially if you're a new company. Like, I think people get so stuck on like, you have to have this like guide in this book and like we're locked into this and this is all we can use. And that's great. Like that works for a lot of people, especially when you're outsourcing and like you don't have anyone that can help create your materials. Like you have some sort of guide, right? Um, but it is, I think it's really important to remember that it's also okay to like kind of make changes or test things out or try things. And I think what we've always gone with, it's like, what makes people happy? Like I, I make art in my free time and I love to paint and like that all comes from a space of like I just make stuff that like brings me joy like I want to smile when I look at something like what makes people feel good and also like kind of reflects what you're trying to do in the space that your your business is and for Lady and Larder it was like everything in, in the cheese world was always it's, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of stuff that looks very old-fashioned or very like yeah like old, you know like old old, old world like, really, like, like very classic and like intimidating and like yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of like very ser serious yeah. serious like branding which is great and that stuff has a, a place and it's wonderful but right. for us I was like why don't we just do like let's be less intimidating like our whole point was like to make this more approachable for people that aren't, you know, I used to be afraid to walk up to a cheese counter. Like I was going to say the wrong thing. And I think our, our goal from the beginning was always like, how do we make this all feel like very comfortable, make people feel good, make them feel like they can ask any question here. And so we kind of, everything we've created around it is always like kind of stuck that way where what's the most like, like joyful and unpretentious way to kind of like create this even with the words we're using like we've always been really careful like charcuterie is a scary word for some people so if we don't use it um right we try to just keep things in their oh. most basic form so that like people that aren't you know we, we want people everyone uh, people of all levels to be able to kind of walk up to the shop and, and try something new or order yeah. something yeah. and you're changing you're changing the game and doing that one of the words you, you were talking about words well, first of all, I have to say this, that that's a great tip from you, Boo, about like, about evolving your brand book. I mean, our world is evolving. If you're, if you're a brand, if you're, if you're a company and a brand and you have a, you know, a logo and you've done all that, like it's important to, to, to not get so tied to it and stuck to it. it the world changes and you've got to feel comfortable evolving your brand book. I, you just gave me a tip because I'm one of those people that can get a little stuck on, you know, our branding and sticking with our branding. And I think um, that makes a lot of sense, like evolve your branding. But uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, words. Didn't I see the word crudes, crudes on crudes. your website? Send crudes. Send crudes, yeah. 
<laughs> we tend to got- chop off the end of every word. <laughs> Crudite. I mean, I do it too, <laughs> but it was so good. It was like it's a crudite platter, a vegetable platter. Yeah. And it was like crudes. And I thought that was really fun. And yeah, yeah. I was like, are people going to get it? Who cares? Like, I got it. I was like, crudes, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, I love also speaking of naming, I love the fact that you call your platters and boards edible displays. I love that. Who came up with that? Or is that just, well, you know, we sat down when we were doing, we used to do a lot of weddings and like events. And so we're sitting down, we're like, how do we explain to people? Like we didn't want to use side, we call them installations or installs. Yeah. Cause like that's it's totally insulate. They're installations. Yeah. Installation. So but when I, you're writing about it, that feels kind of So cool. as an artist, that's how I used to talk about it. And Sarah's like, I don't know, like that feels weird. I'm like, yeah, that isn't the right word. And so we, we kind of just, again, we try to sit down. We're like, how do we explain to people? Like, it's more than just like grazing boards. It's more than just like, like we come into a space and like people will be like, here's the area we have. And we're like, what can we use? And they're like, you know, go nuts. Like we'll build stuff out. Like we'll, we like to create something once we understand if it's going to be, you know, how it feels like another life. It does. Like, I know we haven't done events ever so coming back. I don't know. But well, we love to do that. Back, like, we love the challenge of like taking, again, like we're, we're, we're creating art with our product. So give us a space, give us an area, or sometimes we even get themes, you know, all kinds of things people request from people. And like, we're down, like we're totally, whatever you want us to do, like challenge accepted. We're super excited about it. Take me back to the beginning. How did the idea for Lady and Larder take shape? What was the catalyst? What was the moment? When did that happen? The moment was really, we had done an engagement party for a client up in the Hollywood Hills. We, it was a great party. We had done this candle, taper candle installation that went down the steps to their pool because basically we used to do like full, I used to do, I would do the, I would do, I would do the event design and Sarah would do the catering and the food sides. We were like tag team and we had like filled the car with dirty dishes and we were literally scraping candle wax off. It was just a long, it was one of those days where like we had done, we had done, you know, we booked again, we're both working full time and you're booking these events at night. And so like, you're exhausted. Like you, you build it all out. You actually cook the food and run the event. And then you have to like, you know, take everything down, load your cars. We're filling our cars to the brim. And the two of us just like sat in the street that night. And we're like, there's gotta like, there's, be a better way to do There's this. just gotta be a better way. And then I just started thinking about how when we when people would order boards, I'd use my own really nice wood boards, cater wrap them, which is where you like, you wrap it in saran wrap. Right. Um, and those weren't aesthetically like what I was wanting to deliver. And that was the only way to really get things. And you have to like charge a deposit, get your board back. And I just kept thinking like, why can't we design something that's way nicer than your standard grocery plastic tray? It's, it's a wood board. This is all like in the car we're driving in our separate cars, like talking to each other. And then like, why can't there be like a, a cheese board that we could just make cheese boards in a couple sizes. They would Drop come in a box yeah. ready to serve beautiful, like a cake box. And you just leave it. <laughs> and then, and then like we would leave them at the house and then we just, we go home at that point. Yeah. We don't stay all night and clean up. We just yeah. create, we get to create the boards and then they're disposable. The and then yeah. we just like cut all the minutia of the parts we don't like out, and then which cut. is like the 1 a.m. Yeah. wax cleanup and trash. And then we like <laughs> right. went back to work and everything right. was crazy. And then we got to like Christmas that year. And at the end of every year, Sarah and I, and all my siblings, you know, we sit down, we talk about like my whole family does. It's like, what's everyone's like goals. Yeah. Like, what can we help each other? Like manifest, like, what do you want to do? Like, we just try to, you know, support everyone in their dreams or what they're trying to do. And Sarah and I specifically always like have personal goals and we try to like help support each other. You know, it's good to know so that I can make sure she's like, I keep her, keep her honest, you know, like, well, I remember like sketching the idea on a piece of paper, like math wise, like I, I costed out a board on a piece of paper and I was like, (laughs) is this like, could this, could we make enough of a margin? Like, could, 
could could this be a business? Could this work? And could this actually would this happen? actually work? Yeah. Is it? We looked it up. We're like, is anyone? And no one, no one was, no one was building wood boards. No one was making. No one was doing. None anything. of it existed. Like the craziness that you see now that has exploded and cheese boarding. Like it Whole Foods and get a It wasn't board. here. It just yeah. didn't exist. But it wasn't even. It was like cute. And the, the food apps were just starting. This was like five years ago yeah. when there was maybe three of them. There weren't right. like 15. Anyways, right. so we, right. it was we just sat, different. I remember we decided, we're like, let's build the website and then just put a small, medium, large. Like, let's just yeah. test it. And so what? I remember, I remember we launched the website. We gave a bunch of, we gave, we called our friends and like every time someone had a party, we're like, can we bring a cheese board? Yeah. And we would test, right. we would just like, see, but that's, yeah. that's scrappy entrepreneurial spirit. It's like, let's, let's just put it up. Let's do a small, we did. Board. And it was crazy. Let's, like day one, we didn't sell a board. And then day two, someone, I remember the first board, someone bought online. I like, remember, oh my God, we have a live order. I remember the first order that wasn't someone we knew and it yeah. came in and I was like, oh, it's like this, such a moment. It's yeah. a stranger. <laughs> Well, and the thing is, is we'd never to this day paid advertising. So we don't do ads. We, we don't push anything. So it's all word of mouth. And so that was for us. We realized the power of word of mouth very early on. We're like, whoa, like if, if this goes to a party, how many people are at that party? A lot. Like, this is great. Like we need to, and that's when I, I used to hand paint the logos on the boxes I bet. in the beginning. Oh, no. And so we had paint and let all these, I remember hundreds of lids dry and I had, I made a handmade stencil. Yeah. And like, yeah but that's, like, that's, that's, that, I, that is the mark of a true creative like person is sort of like you, you are paying attention to those details, right? Those details. Well, like, we're like, how will they remember this? We're like, what if right. we painted the logo? Like, this is a moment. Hopefully they'll remember the name if they see it one more time. And like, they'll tell somebody at the party, you know? And so right. that's kind of what we've always done is like, think of these little moments or opportunities to kind of, you know, stand out or make a difference or, you know, over deliver so that people feel like really happy. We work, what we offer is something that people are using to entertain in their own homes. So right. we're just trying to help. We want them to feel proud of what they're putting out. Really proud. So like we have educational information. We want them to feel comfortable talking about the cheeses. We want them to feel comfortable, like be to be excited about it. So we, it's, we, like, it's a three sixty. It's not just here's a product that we're s selling you. It's we want you to know about the backstory. We want to educate you on how to do it. Well, yeah, and we realized early on that the power of social media for us. There, we live in this world where there's just like nonstop. Um, quote unquote, influencers who want to trade or the celebrities having a party. Could you send free boards? And we decided day one, doesn't we work. don't do, we just can't do that. We don't do that because what to. happens is we did it once in the very beginning. And what happens is the party is allowed to say who you did it for, or what you did no, it for. Not. We won't, we won't, but we, okay. we ultimately, I tried. You know what? I just felt, I felt icky after it felt inauthentic. And you know what? A couple of promise posts and bad lighting like aren't what I'm looking for. What we're looking for is I don't care. I don't care if the lighting is bad, but if someone took this home, took a picture and was so excited about what they bought that they want to post about it and share it. Like that is the most authentic display of a brand that I, I could ever, you can't pay for that. Right. You can't. So like, that is what we just like made the promise early on. We're like, we're just going to make this really easy on ourselves. We're not going to do that kind of marketing. And right. we've held on to that now for four and a half years. And I'm, I'm really proud of that decision because every post or tag that you see of us anywhere on the internet, none of them are paid for. Every single person proudly supported our brand and then was excited about a product or makers and posted about it. And that is the dream. And that is I how, that is how like, that is how the best kind of marketing, it's, it's the best kind of marketing.
Like it, yeah. you can't, you can't buy that level of marketing, that you can't manufacture that you can't, yeah. you just yeah. can't, there's no yeah. placement. There's nothing artificial about it. It's not like a contract with like, we promise a story, a post, whatever. There's just so much of those offers out there. And I think it's really tempting for people to think that you well, need to I, do that. I, I even start to question products when I see that it's sponsored. I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know if she really like it or, like, you know, yeah. there's so many sponsors. Yeah. Not that that's, I mean, there's a time, I think there is a place for those things. Just, I just, what we have what we like to do instead is we allocate an amount each month for charities or donations or galas absolutely. that we believe in supported. And we will send product for free to those events because we're wanting to help support a or cause. workshops or conferences. But we just don't or, do that's really speaking that's, events. We love supporting like, like any like kind of like female, female empowerment. Events. Yeah, yeah. Right, of course. Like, right. We wouldn't be anywhere where where women are out there like kicking ass, you know? Yes, a hundred percent. What is it like being twin sisters and working together? Obviously it works very well for you, but what, what else would you like to say about well, that? Well, work very well is very kind. <laughs> the, no. the thing is, I think with, with twins, but also with, with siblings is that you have to create very clear guidelines for like who does what. And like, we right. learned that very early on, but the beautiful part about it that I will say is there is this utter honesty and trust that you don't have with a, a person you hire, right? Like we will always, ne- we will never sugarcoat it with each other. Like we will cut to the chase almost where I have, I have to really practice to like be careful with how raw I am like with delivering that's, the information that's so, because that's I'm very super... black and white, but we save yeah. a lot of time that way because we don't mess around and make mistakes. It's like, no, like that doesn't work. Or here's why I don't think. And we both have these different expertise. So we really we say, also tell each other when it can be better. Like you can do better. Yeah, you can do better. And we kind of push each other. But the great part is, is like, we have this kind of, you know, anything that is to do with marketing or branding or design, like ultimately I get to make the call on that. Cause that's my level. That's my expertise. If it's something to do with product, food, you know, culinary side, that is a hundred percent. At the end of the day, we can fight about it all day. Sarah will get to make the call on it. So once we kind of like put some like structure in place, it was much easier to run a business together because you know, like who does what. It's really interesting to always have the perspective, like boo isn't a culinary person. So sometimes I'll think something is like such a natural choice. Like, oh, duh. Like that is what you pick. And I'll be like, oh, you're going to scare people. (laughs) No, she'll be like, well, I just don't understand it. And then I'm like, okay, you're right. I need to think think about this decision from the standpoint of someone that's not obsessed with food. Does it, how, there, does it yeah. how do you, how do I make it more clear? How do I yeah. provide clarity for the customer? There's two things. There's two things at play, right? There's like stay in your lane and your area of expertise, but then also like, you're my best taste tester. You're my best like yeah. idea bouncer offer, you know? Yeah. yeah. How do you, we, t- I think you touched on this a little bit. We were about to get into this, but I really want to talk to you about how do you influence one another's eye and creativity? You said that your sort of aesthetic is very different. You know, Boo and Sarah, each of your aesthetic is very different. Um, how do you influence each other creatively and with in terms of your eye and your aesthetic? Well, I think we both naturally, like, we have a very different style. Like Sarah has always been much more classic, like neutrals, very chic lines. Like I feel like you're, you've always had, well, it's weird. We're mirror twins. So we're, we're, we're polar, we're like po- polar opposites in some ways. Left-handed and right-handed. Yeah, like near, near oh, side, far-sided, like extrovert, introvert. So we're, we're kind of like opposites of the same person. And then I'm like over here, like, give me all the color, like loud and bright. And, and I'm like, like, reel it in. Yeah, like reel it in. Reel it in a little bit. <laughs> so I think we both yeah. influenced each other in that I've pushed Sarah to be a little more like risky in certain areas or, hey, like, don't be afraid to try this or like, 
you know, let's use a pop of color here, or let's try something a little like wild or kind of a little louder in, in certain areas, you know? And, and I think on the other hand, Sarah will be the one that'll like, as I'm, ju- as I'm jumping off the building, she's like reeling me back in. She's like, hold on a second. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like make sure we're not going too far with that. So we kind of like, it's a good balance. it is a really good balance. How do you guys start when you're conceiving a board? Do you envision color combos first or does shape and size of board or platter come first? This is the weirdest thing. People always say, my husband will say that like, we'll do a giant install or even just like a standard board. And he'll say like, how did you, did you draw that out? And like, how did you come up with the design of this? And I always just, I, I, I love- absolutely, I look at it. I look at the size and scale and then I just start. It's really weird. I don't know where we're going to finish. So that's why I like doing it with you because it's really fun. We've done like big ones together. We're like, we're both building from a different end. And there is a certain level of um, like, we do start, there's base. So like your heavier cheeses, like your bigger, we have these base products that kind of weight down the board. They're kind of like, you know, they're sturdy. You can, you can build off of them. You can build into them. And then it's kind of just like painting. It's like, for me, I think it's like this flow, right? We'll like, have, well, there'll always be something like today at the shop. I just like could not get enough of this new batch of persimmons we got in. And so the Fuyus were really guiding. Design guide, yeah. Today. So that maybe like, okay, this is like, this is a moment. And then sometimes they'll be like, oh, this is like this is the most ridiculous batch of kumquats. Like these are the stars today. And we do, I mean, we have some, you know, the members of our team who like, you know, they're those people that are type A, which are wonderful with details. But like when you give them a board to build, like they needed to know exactly what it needs to look like and they're going to copy it exactly and so there's always a little bit of like take a deep breath like loosen your wrist like it's okay if you like decide to move the walnuts here today like it's sort of like it's sort of like teaching um like how to be a florist learn the basics and then learn how to break the rules yeah like guidelines for how we do it but there is artistry in here and so each person does have their own little bit of touch or finish yeah their signature and we allow that because it's like the most beautiful part about it i can open a box and tell you who made it like who finished this wow that's incredible like little signature is in there. You just talked about flowers and I wanted to talk to you about what your relationship is to flowers. It seems to be a huge part of your aesthetic, one that's based in food, but flowers seem to be a really big part. Oh, there must this goes back to our parents flowers. ultimately. Yeah. I think our dad, both of both of our parents are in, like, I, I think I mentioned the green thumb, but my dad uh, has a very specific aesthetic with flowers. My mother has incredible flowers. They're both, they're both have had, I think our whole lives growing their own flowers, like huge love of garden. And so for us, it runs really, when you go to my parents' house, I will go visit and my mom will cut flowers and put them in every bathroom on every nightstand. Like there's fresh fresh flowers flowers cut everywhere, like from the yard. And so like, we just always had them. Also, I always thought everyone's flowers flowers were like that perfect. And then I left home and I was like, what do you guys put in the soil? Uh, All they have like these secret mixtures of things they have all of their flowers are just like flowers flowers. it's a it's color it's another beautiful seasonality this all goes back to oh my god it's just another like medium it's this like wonderful the flowers are mm. you could you could tell how important flowers are to what you guys do favorite flower mom dad and each of you favorite flower oh my god my mom right is really now right about her now. roses now pa- well paper whites because it's oh, december and sarah and i like yeah. can't walk past a paper white and like not take it home mom and dad's favorite flowers mom's gardenia mom loves gardenias yeah like yeah she'll float it her rose garden she's really into her roses she's she loves she loves like fragrant floral flowers um and then our dad is really in the last like 15 years like his vineyard is really his baby so like viticulture and grapes and like more like plant-based flowers um 
or something that I always think of. He also has, I feel like he's given so much love to his olive trees. Oh, they yeah. planted olive trees and fruit trees and we're about maybe 15 years into those and they're all bearing fruit and beautiful and they make olive oil at home now. And it's gorgeous. It's special. Yeah. So we talked about this too a little bit, but the, when the pandemic hit, you had to be very creative about pivoting your business model. What did you, what did you do? So we refunded everybody. We refunded every event on the book every in 72 hours for the next two years. Then we had, we had a small, like little cry. <laughs> what are we going to do? And we had to figure out like, how do we have all, we have this, this team of people that have left their jobs to work for us. And our most important thing was a, how do we keep everybody? Yeah. How do we not furlough people? Like we want to make sure this, like nobody panics and we can right. keep everybody working. And then B, Sarah got on the phone and she called every single farmer and partner and said what's going on what do you need like we knew right away being in the restaurants that these people were going to have to move product they were going to be in big trouble because if the restaurants close all of your produce this is time sensitive stuff truckloads of truckloads of produce is not going to move and so that's a lot of what i've been you know it's so heartbreaking i've watched reports about just farmers who have had to like discard milk and it's just it's it's just mind-blowing really what's had to happen the first couple months were certainly shattering sarah had to teach a class and so we are going to continue on with some more questions i'll do my best (laughs) (laughs) what would you say is the most difficult part of what you do yes at the shop um the most and what's, difficult part. And what's the most fun? If I mean, maybe, maybe it's, maybe we should sort of think about it that way. What's the most difficult and what's the most fun? I mean, the most challenging thing, I think when you're, for us, like you're growing this business is that it feels like each step um, is, is scary for a minute because in order to grow, you have to be able to like jump into an uncomfortable space for a minute. Like for example, we, a few months ago, we knew coming into the holidays, like, okay, so we had this Williams Sonoma contract. We had a couple of things line up where like, you know, bigger companies had booked Christmas gifting early. And we're like, wow, that's, we don't have room. Like we don't have enough refrigeration in the shop to even hold. Like, how would we, we're just trying to f- figure out like, of course our motto always like say yes and we'll figure it out later. So we said yes. And then we're like, okay, we need to go, we need to sign a lease like in 30 days. We need to find a space that we can afford. And of course, you know, when you're starting a business, what you can't afford anything. So you're, we put some numbers together and you're like, okay, so we're going to have to sign this lease and then bank that we're going to sell enough stuff over the holidays that we can pay for it. Right. And so there's these little points. I remember when we, I remember when we got a delivery van, that was also scary because you're like, how are we, how are we going to pay for it every month? And you're like, well, we're not going to be able, you have to make the jump first and then trust that what you've built so far is going to work. And I think if you push it right, as far right. as you can, and these, when you're growing, there's these growing pain periods where, you know, it's just like when it was just the, the three of us working and then you have to hire employees and there's these steps along the way where that's where it probably is. The, it's really the most uncomfortable, but also the most joyful because the payoff is always like, Yes. Like, I mean, as soon as we made our, made the space and, and signed a lease on a warehouse, the sales came like it was it, we knew we you know, you know, it's going to work. But at the same time, it's like, well, what if it doesn't like we just signed a year lease on something and like we're going to be bleeding if we don't, you know, figure it, figure it if the sales don't come. And with the pandemic, especially you just we didn't know like what was going to happen by the time we got to this point in the year. So there's these little spots. But I think that's kind of like the it's really fun. It's really what do you fun, think is the most joyous th- part of what you do? 
I think delivering the boards, like, I think we always tell anyone that comes and works as the delivery driver, like, it's really like my dream job always. I wanted to like deliver flowers. And I thought like, if I, I would still love to like have a flower shop and deliver flowers. Like there's, there's something so beautiful about bringing something like that into someone's home and like, whatever it is, like, it's just a lovely gesture. And it's just, you know, and we celebrate a lot of things with our boards, but it's not always positive too. You know, we've done funerals or, or sad things, but no matter what, like this gift, this, this, this board has been given by somebody who loves you and cares about you. Um, and we get to be this like middle person in this like intimate transaction, right? It's like people write hand, give us notes to write, to deliver. And some of the notes we get, like Sarah will call me in tears. She's like, you have to read what this, this daughter sent to her mom. And like, just the sweetest, sweetest things that people do. They're just, there's, it really restores this like you realize like humanity, like we're all just trying to connect and support each other the best we can. And we've realized like cheese boards have, repl- you know, or like flowers, like in a lot, people use them as comfort or joy. And, and, and we get to kind of be the deliverer of this gift. And it feels probably, like you have this very special role in some Probably even more so, right? Even yeah. more so than flowers, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yes. You have many fans and celebrities. We talked a little bit about that. How did you develop that clientele? Oh my gosh. I feel like, well, LA, LA's got a lot of them, which is cool, but we, I've, we've been blessed in that. Um, we just, I feel like, I don't want to use the word lucky because I feel like you work really hard. You build a business. Like it's wonderful when you get the support of people that have, you know, a platform or bigger voices, you know, like we've had some amazing celebrities that have really become like friends of the shop that come regularly that bring their kids and their dogs and like they they order you know use us for all of their special occasions and like we really feel um it's always wonderful when you when you a are trusted with with that work or you know that relationship but also that they kind of like let us celebrate those special events with them which is really cool Uh, i literally wish i could live in la just to be able to have your things all the time. Um, let's talk about William Sonoma. That's how did you partner with William Sonoma? Oh my God. I remember your product. That's very, that's fantastic. I remember Sarah got an, Sarah got a voicemail. I think, I think it was a voicemail. Wow. And it was like William Snow, like they just called, like they just found us. They, like, and they remember, cold called Sarah. Yeah, like left a voicemail or maybe it was an email first and then a voicemail, but whatever order, like I remember she pulled over and she called me and my dad because my dad and I were on the phone and she's like, she's like, whoa, you guys, like, I think, and she's like double checking the email. She's like, this is William Sonoma. And like, Sarah and I have this, when we were kids, like we, my, the catalog has been coming to our house my, our whole lives. And like Sarah and I used to like collect the catalogs and like, you know, use them for collages or circle things we wanted out of them. Like we, you know, magazines were like everything. That's all we had, like, you know, before social media and stuff when you're a kid. And we just have like, I don't know, William Snow for us is always like the Christmas catalog. Like we just love love looking at all the food and all the things in there. Um, And so it was just one of those like pinch me moments. You were like, William Sonoma knows who we are, you know? (laughs) No, it's great. um, And we were so intimidated. And then I remember we just like Sarah got on the phone. She's like, well, I'm going to call them. I go, yeah, call them. Like, see see what they want to do. And they were just, uh, they basically said that they had, uh, were looking to partner with someone like us. And they, they were looking for something that was along the lines of what we do. And she was super excited that I think someone had either 
gifted her a box or she had been at a party and seen one someone who worked there I just seen it and they just she literally reached out and was like do you guys have the capacity to like was there a lot that you had to do to like make oh, sure we'll fulfill yeah I mean it was a lot it was like a lot it was the first like really big like contract and like it's really difficult because like they didn't really have any numbers and so you're like what do you mean so like how many do you think you'll sell and it was like for us it being a little business you know we have farmers where we have to call and like you know there's it's not like you can just make more dates like they grow on a tree and like you have a certain amount and so like we really we didn't know what the scale was and so there was a lot of growing pains just around trying to figure out but again like what we've always done is like you say yes and then like Sarah and I sat down and like figured out like okay how can we do this I was just talking to somebody about that you say yes and then you say okay how do I how do I that's the advice I would give anyone like don't be afraid if something if if you if it's something you love you're excited about and you want to do say yes. And then I've always been that person that goes home and like, I'll buy the book. I'll read, watch the class. Like I'll do whatever I need. So by the next day, like I, I I'm, I'm comfortable, like, you know, figuring it out. And I think if you don't always get those opportunities. And so if it's something that you've manifested, but that you're excited about, like, don't be afraid, like you can figure it out. Um, just cause you haven't done it before. It doesn't mean it's, you know, you have to say no. <laughs> what other brands have you collabed with? Have you, I saw that you worked with Talbots. That's fun. Oh my God, that was another one, Talbots. And that's real, so funny because Sarah and I never think of ourselves as like, I don't know, we've never had- Well, you're definitely clothing. not. No, you're a, not. Which a I clothing love. company reach out. like, But know, I love that it's Talbots. I think it's oh so- Oh my, and that's another one. Our grandma was like the biggest Talbots girl. And my Grammy, if she was alive still, she would have just, she would have loved, loved, loved this whole moment. And so the whole time I was just thinking about her, I was like, she would have just died. Um, but it was so great. They reached out and they said, we'd love to, um, to, to have you pick out some stuff. We'd love to have you check out line and we'd love to, um, if you could show, put together, like how to build a cheese board for our holiday, you know, and we said, of course, like, absolutely. We would love to, um, work with you guys. They're such a cool Who did classic you work American with company. Did you, did you work with Meredith there by any chance? No, no. Yeah. We worked with their, um, PR. Was it Meredith? God, now I'm blanking. That's fine. Boo, what's been your most extravagant and elaborate order? <laughs> like last year, we did a party for Oprah in New York and we had to, we had to, it was during our peak like production season and we had to do an install. Um, was it at the got offices? Out, at the magazine offices? At the office, at the office upstairs overlooking like it was I, insane. Well, so we, you we know, flew. I used to work for Oprah Magazine. I told you. No, that. you didn't. Everyone. Oh, maybe so not. Maybe nice. you, Boo, maybe you weren't on the email, but I was a, I was the accessories editor at Oprah Magazine. Oh, shut up. Oh, yeah. We loved Literally everyone there was, I was like, is this a, tri-? I was tripping out because I just wasn't expecting everyone to be so kind. And huh. I don't know why. I was just thinking like big magazine, New York, like I was kind of intimidated, but we just had the most lovely experience with every human that we met on that team. And, we basically packed suitcases of cheese and cured meats. We got, took a red eye. We're there, we were in New York less than 12 hours, built out yeah. this entire like display and then got back on the red eye and we're here for work. We had to be back here for like Christmas shipping the next day. I didn't know um, that. I mean, I knew that, I knew that Adam and Oprah or Oprah. And Adam's Adam. just such an angel. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, he, I worked for, I worked for Adam. Um, and I know that she chose your wreath was it the wreath years ago? No, it wasn't the wreath. It was no, it was our DIY box. It was your DIY box. Yes, and favorite things. Um, but I didn't realize that you had to go to New York to kind of cater this party for them. 
I worked at Oprah Magazine when it was the magazine's 10 year anniversary. And I remember we had a taco party. We had like a margarita and taco party oh, in, cool. in that space at the top of the Hearst Tower. So beautiful. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, what's been a dream order? Is there a pinch me moment? More of the same, like pinch me moment, dream order that you know came through that you were like, oh my God. Obviously the first order that came through that was a non-friend, right? Was a- I mean, yeah, I feel like I still think every day is like a dream order. Like Sarah and I still have days down where like, I'm just so gr- like, can't believe like the- I feel like when you own a business, it's still really, it's still trippy every time somebody but like par- participates in what you're trying to do and like purchases something. And, and it's, it's like a blessing to be busy, especially right now. And I, we've done a lot of, we've had a, we've had, we've been really lucky. Like this year, we've had a lot of those moments where it's just like, oh my God, like guess who just called and needs a board right now. And it's like, okay, cool. Like just all these people that you really admire. And when they, you get to like make a, a crudite board or a cheese board for them. It's always just kind of fun. Like I know that our team here gets really excited too. That's fun. We talked about farmer's markets. Is there a farmer's market beside that one in Nice, that epic moment in Nice? Are there farmer's markets that stand out in your mind besides that oh, one? Spain. Spain had some of the best. Oh, like our dear, yes. our dear friend, Carmen, who lives in Mallorca now, um, She, we went out and visited her. And it was amazing because, you know, when we travel, we like to either like Airbnb or we stay with someone we know that lives there. So we really can have like the most like local experience. And so she was able to like take us like her farmer's market and the church she grew up in. And, you know, you kind of get to to experience it in just such a a different way. But it's lovely because it's just, again, like everything was from that island. It's so local. And um, it's just you also realize that the farmer's markets in a lot of these places, like, like it was in Mallorca, what it felt like this is also a community, like gathering, like everyone's there, everyone's checking in, everyone's hanging out. Like it's very much just a part of the way everyone connects that lives together. Um, and it feels like you feel really lucky that you get to like be there. I don't know. It feels like you're like crashing someone else's party, like this whole group of people that know each other intimately and you're getting to like, I don't know, just walk up and enjoy it. Um, which is really cool. One of my best friends from New York City, who I went to school with, um, is from Barcelona. And one of the the first times that I visited her, I remember that one of the items on her list was like, we have to go to this market. Um, There's there's isn't there a famous market in Barcelona? There's like a famous outdoor food market. Um, Yes. And I can't remember the name of it, but we went there. We hit up all the big we we we. We do a lot of like markets are always a priority. Sarah does a really good job with like mapping when we go to trips. Everything's pretty much planned around where we're eating, like what restaurants we're eating at and where we're shopping, what markets are at. (laughs) Is there a lady in Larder restaurant in your future, given the background and the industry and all that knowledge and the resources that you might have? Is there, you know, know it's kind of a weird time to be talking about this because the economy. I don't think it's weird. I just don't know if that like owning a restaurant, I I can't tell you. the hours, like it is not for some, it's, it's, you have to really, really enjoy that and love that. And and it's, it takes up all of your time. I mean, my, I remember just my dad growing up, like he worked a lot. Like you're, when you're opening restaurants, when you're working in restaurants, the hours are not, it's, it's not just like a quick shift. Like you're there 
you know, 14 to 18 hours a day. And there, there's so much, it's every single day the sales matter and you're tracking so many different components and people and you're trying to build this culture. And there's, there's a lot of different components that really, I don't think people realize, and that's why a lot of restaurants don't succeed is that you kind of jump into it and you realize like, whoa, that's like A, hard to make money doing this. And B, you have to really find a group of people and a team that loves doing this. Cause if they don't love it, every day will be painful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, I think it'll be really interesting to see what restaurant, like the future of, of, of the dining world kind of looks like, like, it's just been such a strange year. Um, what do your parents and, and say to you about your success and what you've done? Oh, I think they're proud. I, I hope they are. You know, my, my parents, my dad, my dad is one of those people that like, he'll tell other people he's really proud of us, but like, he keeps us, he's pretty, you know, he's always really forced the humble card when we were kids growing up. So like, you know, you, you, he doesn't, he doesn't overly celebrate too much. Yeah, my, my, I, <laughs> like, I feel like I have, from, my parents are the same way. I'll hear from yeah. like a friend or like an uncle, like, you know, your dad's so proud of you. And I'm like, what'd he say? You know, <laughs> I um, but I, I think they are. And, and um, I, you know, I think anyone's the hope is just that your kids like a find a job that they can live off of successfully and B that they love what they do. And right. so we feel really lucky that for us, like we, like Sarah and I talk about it every day, it doesn't feel like work when you're like, you love it so much. Like it's, we really do enjoy everything about it. And we're so excited about like, what's, what's next. And that's right. We started thinking about that now. Like, what does 2021 look like? Like, Actually, what's what's the goal for this year? We don't know what that is yet. We haven't had the time to figure it all out. You led me into my next question for you, which is what's next? Is there any semblance of an idea of what's next? Or are we, are you, we kind of in a time where we have to just sort of be a bit more day by day, or do you have any plans for future launches or ideas? Yeah. You know, we, we have, we finally, you know, when we first started, like I said, we had this free Squarespace site and we saved up and saved up and we, we needed some custom stuff done on the website. And then I spent, took me like months this year to finally, we finally got a new website up long story short. And so now we're able to at least like kind of expand on a couple of different areas, but I think we really just need to sit down and it's kind of what we did before here is like, what does our customer need right now? You know, like this year they needed a, a local bodega. Like we were literally, we were literally a market. You could, we were placing online orders for everything. And so you kind of, that seemed really important at the time. And I don't know when weddings or events or other things will pick up, but I think that what we have noticed and what we know is that even when things shut down, And even when things like people are still wanting to find a way to like surprise each other with joy and connect. And so like, we're still seeing online orders that there's, there's a, you know, it's obviously a huge space there where people are looking for things that they can find that they're proud of that they can send. Um, And so we're constantly just trying to figure out like, what's the next thing that people need that we can, we can help source and like make available and um, hopefully support some, some farmers and vendors that we really know need the support right now more than ever. Okay. So now we're going to do our quick fire lightning round. I'm going to ask Sarah first and then boo each of you answer these questions. What meal will you sit down to for the holidays, Sarah? We, I think the meal we most look forward to every year is we have stone crab every Christmas Eve and we work with a like a really small mom and pop fisherman in Florida who we call and he like tells us what size he can get and then they overnight it to us and it's just a really really special meal we look forward to every year 
That's the best. What about boo? Yeah, so we, we like, boo, we like, we like, yeah, we eat it like on newspaper. It's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. We also, we always do Chia Pina one of the nights, either like Christmas day or the day before that. And we, um, we order it from a place called Phil's Fish Market in Moss Landing. And it's just the best. And we, with, you know, nice, warm, toasty bread and it feels very festive and it's something we only do during Christmas time. So super excited about that. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Sarah, what do you wear when you're working? Uh, it's funny. You don't really think about it. And then when you do, you're like, oh, I do sort of have a uniform. Absolutely. Um, I figured you would have a uniform. <laughs> I wear a lot of mother denim and Birkenstocks. And right now for masks, I'm wearing, I, I, my favorite have been the linen masks from Heather Taylor Hall. And they come in all sorts of incredible like patterns and designs. And then Boo actually also designed a mask with Heather Taylor home or actually was, was with mass uh, citizens of humanity here in downtown LA. And so we've been wearing that one too. And then just like vintage bandanas and, um, I like, that, I, I like that you're talking about a mask as part of your work uniform, which it totally is, but it is. it's weird that it's like become a part of the uniform. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like we, we pick one every day. So they're Heather Taylor home <laughs> linen masks in, in solids or in prints. There, she makes a beautiful linen nap, uh, napkins and like linens for your home. And they just kind of yeah. converted those linens into masks. So okay, they're beautiful right. patterns, so, like yeah, all you, different patterns. You don't, yeah. you don't get to pick. They just come as like a mixed bag, like oh, a 10 pack. Yeah. That's so fun. And then you guys did a mask with citizens of humanity. Did I hear that? Yeah, right? I just, I was so cool. I was painting masks um, for like to raise money for, um, no kid hungry during the pandemic, like just for fun. And citizens made a blank one. And then Amy Williams, the CEO over there, she like DM'd me one day and was like, Hey, can we hop on the phone? And she called me and she's like, Oh my God, I'm just so inspired that you're like making art during this time. Like, can we convert one of your painted masks um, that I saw on Instagram to a print and sell it through the website? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Oh, great. And Is so that, that was like a really, really cool, um, cool project. And they were printed right here in LA, which was awesome. That's great. So they're still available, right? Uh, yeah, they're still available on the Citizens of Humanity website. Perfect. And so for for Burks, what color Burks do you wear? Like what style? I'm wearing. I wear. I just I just got a hunter green one, like hunter green leather um, with the big gold buckles, which I love. Me too. I wear the Arizona ones, the rubber ones that you can just like wash and start over the next day in the dark olive green and black. <laughs> What else do you each wear for work besides these masks and Burks? I wear like all a Goldie at denim. Um, Boo. I love the nineties fit with the high waist. They're amazing. And usually just like an old denim shirt or some, something button up that you don't mind getting dirty. And then we wear linen shirts from black crane literally until they just like shred. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> we pass them yeah. and pass them and they get so soft and beautiful. And then you have to say goodbye eventually. I, love um, I do that with my t-shirts too. What about favorite shoes, each of you, besides the Burks that you guys wear for work? Favorite shoes. I have a pair of brown leather boots from this um, maker in uh, Austin, Texas called Helm. It's H-E-L-M. And they're just like a brown leather. I think it's called the Pablo. It's like a brown leather ankle boot. And I've worn them I wear them everywhere. <laughs> like they're just super comfortable and I just keep oiling them and they just keep changing color and getting more texture. And I'm, I love them. 
And I tend to wear on the casual side, like a uh, pawn, like the pawn, my working sandals. Oh, yeah, we by, love pawn. By Avarcus, or um, on the, if I'm going out, I love any shoes by, you know, Frida Salvador. Oh, I love Frida Salvador. Uh, your hat Yeah, it's almost beautiful. Or no, boo, boo, are you more of a hat girl or are you both hat girls? Yes, I'm like a hat collector. I have a serious problem. Like, I have a straw hat addiction. What but um, I collect a lot of them. Like I, I honestly started it, but my mom, my mom wears gardening hats. So I've like stolen a lot of hers nice and worn in and I, I collect them vintage if possible. But I love Jeunesse Leone. She started doing straw um, last year. And I also, there's a company called Community. So it's an IE out of Marfa and they make some really beautiful like woven hats. I've seen those. Face masks. We said he- Heather Taylor and the citizens. Are there any other face masks? on your radar that you is a go-to for each of you? Uh, sometimes I do wear the Claire V ones when I go out. Those ones are, they fit a little bit tighter and they have really fun, beautiful, like funky mix patterns too. Each of you go yeah, to- Yeah, I like go, what, what, go Black on. Crane make, Black Crane made a mask too that I love because they're super soft and they have the metal, um, the metal piece at the nose. So you can like bend it over your nose. And yeah, that's, that's kind of nice. Like soft to the face that's yeah good. and the Mateo linen ones we have this great linen um, maker here in LA called Mateo and they made really soft linen masks too I love yeah. it you 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 are mask aficionados in the way that you have them. <laughs> yeah, when, when you wear them like 16 hours a day yeah in the way that you have to use them I mean we all have to use them but in the way that you're using them you sure know what you're talking about when it comes to masks uh go to nail polish color for each of you first Sarah Go-to nail polish. Oxblood. Always Oxblood. By, oh, any, by any brand or is there a particular nail polish you love? The brand that I used to wear actually isn't in business anymore, but I usually go with something that's like cleaner and a little more eco if I'm not doing gel. So I'll use, um, there's a little tiny nail salon in Brentwood here called Coat, and I'll use theirs or I think Olive and June has some darker reds, but I tend to wear gel on my nails when I'm working because Anything else tips and then it's not food safe. So usually OPI um, tends to be great. Yeah, I'm obsessed with OPIs. The color, it's like a, it's like a orangey red called a good Mandarin's hard to find. <laughs> they also have a shade called Cajun shrimp. That's pretty similar. It's a little more red, but I like those like orangey reds. Yes. Okay, great. What each of you, for each of you, obviously, what's catching your eyes these days in food? There's something that's, again, like on your, on your radar in terms of what's happening in food, either one of you. So like in general, I feel like just the scrappiness of the industry is really showing as far as people figuring out like how to make takeout interesting and how to do pop-ups in a way that's takeout based or safe. It's just in general COVID safe. And I think that's catching my eye more than anything. We have seen businesses actually you know, semi-thrive during this time that didn't even exist before COVID. And I think Boo, um, we, we talk a lot about our friends, Chris Conner and Ashley of Made LA and Marley and Zach at Lamora Pizza. And they're also doing like incredible job feeding, feeding people that are dealing with food insecurity as well. Like there's been kind of this, like we're seeing companies do a lot more outreach and service to the communities during this time, which is really inspiring. I think that's, like my favorite trend of the whole year. Yeah. Um, I think also like a lot of, a lot of the, um, to piggyback on what Sarah's saying, like a lot of the kind of like take home kits, like our friend, uh, Lupicata does these amazing pizza kits. Um, 
Inez, Inez, yeah. Inez does like, they're just, it's like the most amazing pizza dough that she makes and you get the sauce and like just super high quality ingredients. And the fact that you can like pick it up, we, we, we do a pop-up at the shop where you can pick them up and it just makes, takes a couple steps out of dinner and sourcing. And it's just like a beautiful way to like, I think we're seeing a lot of people kind of look for those solutions. Like they want to still cook dinner at home, but um, yeah. it's really cool to see a lot of people come up with kind of like take home versions of dinner kits. I did my first version of a kit like just a week or so ago where it wasn't so much like a make your own kind of thing, but it was more of like a, a dinner kit for two. And it was like with a wine and dessert, it was like a whole mix and match menu. And it was actually really fun. Like I liked that. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. Which chefs, yeah, it's like a picnic at home. which chefs do you each admire each one of you? My favorite chefs, like all time favorites are going to be like Gabrielle Hamilton April Bloomfield, Alice Waters. I'm a huge Renee Erickson fan. She's up in Seattle where I started my culinary um, journey like in school. And um, those are, those are probably like my, my, my top, top um, female icons in the industry for sure. A good, good handful. Okay. Um, favorite cookbook, each of you. Oh my gosh. I've been cooking our, my friend, Jamie Curl, um, has a cookbook that came out called baking gold and it's amazing. It's a beautiful cookbook. That's just like really beautiful to look at, but also for someone like me, who's not traditionally uh, trained in baking or as a chef, um, it takes really complicated baking recipes. And it's basically the whole book is like, I think it's three, three dough recipes, um, like, um, one batter mix, um, or two batters, three doughs, and one magic mix is what they call it. And like all of these simple recipes can be used to like bake anything. And so I've been doing a lot of baking, <laughs> a lot of cookies. That sounds like an essential. Yeah. Have. Yep. And then my favorite, my favorite newest cookbook that just came out would be um, there's this incredible little wine bar in Paris called La Bavette. And the owner Camille did a small cookbook that is so inspiring. And it's like perfect small plates and really beautiful stuff that you can make at home. Uh, I love it. It's just one of my favorites of the year that came out. And then classic cookbooks that are just always in rotation. Prune is a Gabrielle Hamilton cookbook. Uh, the River Cafe London book, which is Ruth Rogers and her team. And then Chef Renee Erickson. I love A Boat, A Whale, and A Walrus. Perfect. We have La Bouvette here. It's such a good cookbook. It's a good one. So pretty. It's pretty. Yeah. Favorite condiment, each of you. Wait, you're I, talking about the, wait, you're talking about the New York La Bouvette, right? No, the French one, the French. You're talking about the French one. Okay. She has a location uh, in New, New York, York is, one, I think also there's like, there's two La Bouvette. Yeah. No, <laughs> there's, Bouvette in, there's Bouvette in New York. And then there's exactly, exactly. And they have one in Paris too, don't they? I think, we actually, I think we published a La Bouvette recipe recently for their pickles. Oh, amazing. What, do they have a Yeah, they do a pickle. They do like, they do like a pickled egg. Oh my God. We pub, we publish recipes every Saturday and then we publish something from La Bouvette. No, it's the same, same book that you're talking about. Okay. Back to oh, this. favorite condiment. My favorite condiment is definitely A1. Like, I, I can't live without it. It's my favorite. Put it on everything. Yeah, I'm a ketchup girl through and through. And then we're huge uh, for hot sauce, Zabs. Our friend oh my Miles God. has an incredible hot sauce company called Zabs. What's favorite. something unusual that you put A1 on? I'm curious. <laughs> I love it on eggs. Like, yeah. on, I'll make, like, a really simple omelet 
um, uh, which is like onion and a little cheese. And I love A1 with breakfast. Favorite place to buy kitchenware? I buy a lot of mine online. And so like, I love like Food 52 because they curate a bunch of different cool stuff. And then they, they also have their own line that I'm still like working my way through trying to save and, <laughs> and get different stuff. But I also, I, I take a lot of stuff from Sarah's house. So Sarah, you're probably the best to know. Like, Sarah, what do you I have? Go yeah. Through. Where do you shop most for kitchenware? I buy direct from brands. I have a lot of Le Creuset. I have, I like Rick, Great Jones for a more like cost effective, um, you know, Le Creuset style stuff. And their colors are really fun and beautiful. They're like oh, a really fresh brand. Pot fits noodles perfect. It does. It fits spaghetti perfect. <laughs> which one? And I tend to buy a lot of vintage cookware. Oh, that's fun. Um, which, which Great oh. Jones pot is it? You said that is the best one for noodles. Oh, the, I think the Duchess, the shape the of du- it's like oval, the Duchess, so that's it, right. you can put pasta in. That's yeah. right. That's right. It fits like, yeah, it fits spaghetti perfect across without having to oh, break that's it. Which is the deal. Okay. But, I get it now. I get it. Now. Yeah. But we do, we do collect a lot of vintage. Like I got all those amazing, like, um, mixing bowls, like at a, at a Goodwill in Santa Fe. And like, whenever we, I drive through, we go through different parts of the United States. We try to always like hit up antique stores or, or just, anywhere that's selling used stuff and you can get score really cool um, pieces that kind of, I love yeah, like, that have like, like old cast iron. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Like well cared for or old like enamel. Create a, create a collection that feels like, like it's yours versus. Is it hard to find old enamel and, and cast iron that's been cared for in that way? I would think it's difficult to find. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to like keep, keep an eye out, but that's why <laughs> exactly. it's so exciting when you find it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's so exciting and it's not that expensive. It's just like usually heavy, you know, like that's why a lot of people don't take yeah. it home, but yeah, we'll carry it on an airplane. No problem. Yeah. Um, yeah and then we shop all of our serving pieces from Heath and, and Edward Wall for serving boards. Heath Ceramics is our fave. Uh, favorite restaurant. Can you even name one, each of you? Oh my God. Like, well, I guess I feel like I should talk about like currently based on like takeout food, right? No, of all time. Like what you like, what you reminisce of, what, which restaurant are you kind of like reminiscing in your head about? Maybe that's, or just favorite restaurant that experience, favorite restaurant that you, that you go to restaurant. Uh, I mean, not a go-to if we're talking favorite restaurant, like yeah, most emotional restaurant. meal of my life is probably, probably French laundry. I yeah. like, oh my God, we went together on our birthday. We went on our birthday and it was incredible. Um, that was really memorable, but here in LA, we love supporting. Like, there's so many, we love tar and roses. Oh my God. Tar and roses, the, the red snapper for two. We get that a we lot. Love. <laughs> we love all of John and Vinny's restaurants. Those are yeah. just fantastic. Lab, lab barbecue. Yeah, um, on the smaller side for great takeout during COVID, Cola Pasta and Moto Ramen have been great. There's there's so many people that are great in support. Do you each wear fragrance at all? Or maybe not because you're in the kitchen, Sarah? I don't know. Yeah, both wear Joe Malone, um, I think, right there. Are you still wearing that? I don't wear I don't wear fragrance much at all because of in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I have a couple that I play with when I'm we used to go out on date night, but that's, I love, I love <laughs> Joe Malone's, um, which Joe Malone do you and love? Also, the, um, the wood sage and sea salt. Got it. Got it. Perfect. Kind of masculine. What are you reading? Does anyone have time to read anything these days? 
We actually both just read, um, we read the Glenn Doyle uh, Untamed together and we loved it. That's been that like on my nightstand. Good pump up. I feel like everyone needs to read that one. Yeah, and I love all of Roxanne Gay's books. Uh, I just reread Bad Feminist. Um, and when I say read, I mean, this is my Audible account. I'm like listening while I'm working. Yes. The books is the best way I can consume. Um, I also really love David Chang's memoir, Eat a Peach. Yeah. I also love Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. I read that one. Um, I'm looking at my list of like what I've been on in rotation. I just started The Alchemist too, which I've actually never read. And I can't Whoa. believe I haven't. Big undertaking. Uh, favorite, makeup <laughs> yeah. or, favorite makeup or skincare product? I love, I, I love every day, like my everyday, I use True Botanicals. Um, they have a, it's called True Radiance Oil and I love it because it's just super moisturizing. Um, and then I always top that with super goop, like sunscreen. Um, Sherry, well, you use Vintner's, yeah, we use Vintner's Daughter too. Yeah, Vintner's Daughter, the face serum, the classic face serum is my favorite daily, daily kind of treat. And then Supergroup, favorite sunscreen. I love beauty counter makeup. It's really, really clean. And in general, I go lighter on makeup in the kitchen because it's just not um, aquaphor. My favorite. <laughs> Lots of aquaphor for the look. What are you guys binge watching these days? Anything? Oh my gosh, everything. Everything. I feel like. I like to have, I live, I like, I like to have stuff on when I'm working from home. It's just so there's like noise, <laughs> like something going on. So I tend to like rewatch things, but I've been watching a lot of older shows. Like I started the Sopranos from the big, the beginning again. I got really back into West Wing again. Um, I my a favorite, of- my too, favorite so. show that we just finished that I just could watch completely over again is Ted Lasso on Apple with Jason Sudeikis. Oh, it was so what a treat. good. I love yeah. that. Good. Okay. Good to know. That was really good. good to know. Really good. Okay. Final question. Which of your products are you having a love affair with these days? Um, I think my like forever love affair will always be like anything from Parish Hill. Um, Peter and, and Rachel, they're in Vermont and it's all handmade cheeses and just the most lovely love you can you can taste the love that like went into making these um so whenever we carry anything from there i'm super excited about it yeah and then like in our retail shop we have this olive oil called fat gold that i'm obsessed with and we also carry coffee that our friend max roasts in really small batch called jules and watts yeah that's incredible and as far as just like cheese we're really excited about uh there's a really young female cheesemaker She's actually like 16, I think, this year. Her name's Avery oh, yeah. Jones. Her, her dad, Reggie Jones, is a big cheesemaker, but she started her own kind of wow. mini creamery under him called Shooting Star. And all of her cheeses have, um, yeah, yeah, all of her cheeses are horoscope names. Your so kids. Scorpio, Aries, Leo. And they're like so, so special. And she's really special. And she's an up and comer in the cheese world. So we love supporting her. Fantastic. Thanks so much, ladies. I will um, thank you for being on the podcast. And I will see thank you for having us. Yay. What a I, same for me. And I'll see you on Instagram live. Okay. Right, see you. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye.